Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. We are back for the second part of the Tribe of Mentors questions. If you don't know what we're talking about, listen to the previous episode. There is some, there are some nuggets of wisdom in there, um, as well as a... For the nugget hunters. For the, for the nugget hunters. Um, yeah, so listen to that. But we're, gonna, we're just going to continue from questions f- six. Six which is what is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? Um, do you have one? I think absurd thing that I love was actually my birthday present for Sunday, which was a big chunk of Bressola, which is uh, two to three month cured Italian beef. And it's lovely. My girlfriend just got me like a, I think it's probably two kilograms, just a a big chunk of of it. Very salty. Very salty. And very... very... So is it, I imagine you can only have like so much of it in a sitting. Yeah. Otherwise you become a a prune. What do you have it with? I just eat it on its own, but it would, it would be lovely on sourdough with a little bit of olive oil. Mm. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Do you know what a great, like, the, is it called antipasti? You know, those boards that just have olives and hummus and, like, di- different different cheeses and meats and oils, and they're just so decadent. Brilliant. It, isn't it great how, like, because the, there's antipasti vari- variants from, like, Italian, Mediterranean, Arab countries, and even, like, Denmark. They're mm-hmm. all, they all have their own kind of version of, of that. Whereas I think... British cuisine, it's just toad in the hole, bangers and mash and Beef fish Wellington. and chips. Beef yeah. Well, it's like Sunday dinners, isn't it? That's like the Sunday dinners, fish and chips. That's the straight down the middle British I'd, food. I'd love to know what someone who comes from a country where their food is excellent and visits yeah. the UK thinks. We're very good. You know what we are good at, though? Doing foreign food. So you can yeah. access like a good Nepalese restaurant or Chinese or Italian or Thai or whatever in the mm. UK. Um, whereas if you go to like, cause you, you spent time in like Prague, for example, where mm. do you ever see the, in European countries where they have those like stalls that sell British fish and chips and it's yeah. just not at all. <laughs> yeah. I think the most interesting eating out experience I've ever had was in Finland where it got to a point in the day where all restaurants were just closed. So like we were going, going for dinner 
everything was closed and there was this one place that was open which was this like it felt basically felt like being in someone's living room there was like three tables everyone spoke very very little english me and my girlfriend sit down and i got served this thing it's the nicest it's the nicest burger i've had but it wasn't even it wasn't a burger it was like a like a like a chili con carne almost but it was absolutely tremendous so like i went in i was like this feels uncomfortable we shouldn't be here i've got really low expectations and i left thinking like i would recommend that place to anybody wow such a strange thing and it was just in the middle of was it sallow yeah <laughs> in uh in finland so my answer is i do i really struggle with this one unusual habit or absurd thing I do I feel like I do a lot of absurd things like by my girlfriend's standards but well, probably to the people listening they aren't that absurd the the thing is things are only absurd until people realize the the sanity the in it and then they, so the chili pad is a great example like at first you were the weirdo for having a a cooling system under your body when you're sleeping mm-hmm. and then only when people break through the absurd barrier they go oh my god i think i'm gonna buy one as well how much is it a thousand pounds right fine no problem they're 500 actually unless you want to get the duo which is a thousand pounds which i'd recommend um <laughs> well so things like you know i've spent i spent a chunk of time at the start of 2020 bouncing on a trampoline in my living room because oh, yeah. I thought it was good for like lymph- lymphatic drainage and and you know regularly where I still persisting I still really want to make blue light blocking glasses work for me it really annoys me that I get no return from them I've bought some with foam inserts that are super dark that look like um you know in the X-Men the guy who goes like that with his glasses and shoots red like they look like that right. so I'm now wearing those in the evening uh, when we watch TV so stuff like that, that I think like if someone came in off the street and just watched me for a day, there'd be lots of stuff that I don't even consider that I'm like, I know exactly why I'm doing it. And to me, it seems completely normal. But externally, it's like, you're really weird, mate. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of came to terms with that recording a video yesterday about <clears throat> my estrogen experiment, where I, I made a series of substitutions in my life of things that I eat and cosmetics and all that stuff. And... I realized that, yeah, I, I was like, I was washing my hair and body with e-cover washing up liquid because it was the, the lowest estrogen thing yeah. that I could find. And I, there's a full table of all the, the product substitutions and you look back on it and you're like, some of these are quite niche and quite weird. Well, you didn't touch receipts, did you? Yeah. Anytime someone was like, oh, do you want a receipt? I'm like, no, no. I mean, receipts are annoying in the first place. Like the fact that it receipts aren't just an electronic email transaction at the moment is does my head in. I I always I'm so glad for for co- well I'm not so glad for COVID but I'm glad that that was one of the the upsides. Like I I don't understand people that like why is it the default to have a receipt? Like uh, is everybody that organised that they take their receipts for their like pack of crisps and bottle of Coke and take it home and file it away and do their taxes? Well, so, I sp- yeah, for for expenses I suppose it's. But even that still doesn't need to be a bit of paper. Um, but like but I think much? it's like a bill of sale, isn't it? it? was like evidence of purchase. 
back in times of old. Like it, there was a, you know, there was a way of like, I, I own this thing. And the reason I know I own this thing is I have a, I have proof of my ownership of it in the form of a, of a document that That's evidence the sale. It's just vestige from times of old. Mm, times of old. <laughs> so I've kind of dodged the question, but I think probably the answer is lots of little things that add up to being quite unusual. Just looking around to see if <laughs> there's anything. I mean, I put I put that on my hand every day. Wood welder, that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> that's really weird. <laughs> this stuff's great, you know. Wad welder. Is it for calluses? Yes. So there's a kit you can buy on Amazon, which is these two things. And that's like a daily hand cream. And that's a stick that you rub specifically on the calloused areas in your hands. And the thing that they've really done well is it smells great. So it smells of like peppermint. So it's really enticing to put it on. Wow. And there's a also product. a pumice stone that comes with it. So I have them on my desk, and when I'm like doing calls and stuff, I sand my hands down and things like that. That's amazing. Um, and I've not had a caster in ages. I really like that. The the really worst thing I think is seeing calisters from um, gymnastics because you see people do it from the rings or from the the high bar, and because it's so the, the movements are so violent, it's a full, proper full, big flaps that yeah takes the whole thing off. It's yeah. so painful. It's so, <laughs> like you realize how how much you use like a little part of your hand when you try to like just go open the door and you're like, ah, ah. <laughs> like, anything touches it and it feels like it's touching like a nerve end itself awful terrible in the last five years what new belief behavior or habit has improved your life i think for me the so one of them i mentioned on the last podcast which was the switch from etiology to teleology um which was the the Alfred Adler approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're wondering what that is, then have a look on, uh, listen back to that episode. The other one is from a book called Psycho-Cybernetics, which is just talking about how the, the beliefs, the belief systems that you have about your self and your reality can become your reality but in a the the way that it's described is a lot more is a lot more mundane and a lot more believable and practical than a lot of the kind of new agey the secret is abraham hicks or whatever all Mm -hmm. those kind of characters would lead you to believe it's funny i was gonna say like basically the same thing (laughs) (laughs) so just the idea that you know the um it's not like what you're trying to achieve. It's who do you have to become that kind of, that's quite a famous phrase. The, the, um, the goal is not in your control, but becoming the person who exhibits the behaviors who reaches that goal is possible. Yep. Yep. So like, I think when you, when you think about it as someone who has abs three, six, five, or someone who's running a big business or someone who's got a really successful relationship, like what are the, what is that? What are they like as a person? What behaviors do they exhibit? What do they believe to be true? How do they operate? And then you realize where the gap is. And that otherwise you're, you're fighting against the grain of your existing personality. Um, and I think 
for a long time, I always felt like that was a, a cop out because, or a sellout really, because you'd have to change who you are and that's kind of becoming inauthentic or whatever. And I think now I'm realizing there's no such thing as it, as inauthenticity because unless it's going against your, your kind of programming, you can change your programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and to say, oh, it's selling out. Like there's nothing special about the characteristics that you were born with especially if they're not moving you towards your goal. Yeah. And then if you, if you start consider, start to consider it in the, in the context of the self and what that is, and that you have multiple versions of that in different areas of your life. So like most people's self when they're with their partner is different to the self at work, which is different to the self when they're with their friends. And it's all just like tuned presentations of you that match a certain scenario, that achieve a certain outcome in a certain scenario. So then if you want an outcome, there's a version of you that probably doesn't yet exist that would would lead to the creation or like support the creation of that. But it's very it's a very slippery concept, isn't it? Like you can't really like it, I could I don't feel I wouldn't feel confident sitting down and explaining to someone how to put this into practice. <laughs> well luckily there's there's a lot of material that that does but but yeah like yeah i think it comes down to changing the way that you you see yourself not as a consistent entity but as something that is completely empty and runs a series of scripts depending on the stimulus that is presented with and if you rewrite those scripts then you've got total freedom to apply it to whatever you want yeah well that was a good belief there we go (laughs) Um, what advice would you give a smart d- driven college student about to enter the real world and what advice should they ignore? It's what we said on the last episode, I think, which is take what everyone's doing and invert it. So if you can just go off grid, pick a skill, something that is monetizable, something that's profitable and just do that one thing and create something or, or or build that skill you've become financially independent because you can deploy that skill in any situation so some some examples might be you know individual parts of a business so web design copywriting online coaching like anything that's like a specific slice of something and then use a framework to build the rest of your business with um or create an entire structure but that's going to be pretty pretty labor intensive and pretty hard to do without guidance yeah i think but i think our advice is going to center around the it's, it's easy to be biased isn't it because like we both left the like nine to five finance world but i think uh that's built around questioning questioning things that people take for as given so like you should get a degree you should get a nine-to-five job you should you know get, get a good pension contribution and it's all about your annual salary like i still know people who like a lot of my friends literally discuss like their job title and their annual salary as points of like measurement and you think like all that is is like someone else has defined the rules of a game that you are playing and they've told you now that you've been given a new title and you've been given more annual salary, even though that may be taxed at a disproportionately high rate and your annual, your hourly rate may be lower. You know, it's, it's these things that are ingrained in, in society, in many societies anyway, as like, that's just what you do. 
and you don't think if you think outside the box and it's weird and you'll you'll get penalized for for operating differently um there's no i think you know there's no problem with doing that but only if your desires completely overlap with that structure that already exists out in the world and I, i think many people think that they do because they've not really questioned their yeah, desires or, or, and what they want out of life. Just being, I think making decisions f- for the right reasons rather than just because, you know, like I think like going and working somewhere just because, or like staying in a job you like because staying in a relationship you don't want to, uh, a job you don't like because, or a relationship you don't like just because that's what people do. I don't think that's a very like, considered way of structuring your life. Um, and if you don't so, know, then that that's fine. Like have some, have some fun and take some time out, take some space, but use that time to build on something that's going to benefit you in five or 10 years anyway. So certainly take care of your body. Like I I think to be out of shape as a able-bodied 20 year old Mm. is like, there's, there's just no place for it. Like you're on a natural steroid cycle. And so to be fat and inactive is pissing it away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. I think to not be. What, what's the thing? Like, it's a great sin for a man to not oh, experience. Yeah. Like, well, I can't remember what the phrase is, but like, to not. Is it Socrates? It, it is a great shame for a man to um, not experience the extent physical. for what his body is capable of or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's pretty cool to develop strength and like physical size and see what you can actually do. Um, the thing that's really nice about strength that I've always liked is you, it just cannot be acquired through apart from steroids. But even then, like there is no way around volume. <laughs> you just, have, if you want to get stronger, you want to get bigger. Like the people on the Olympia stage have just done more stuff than you. And you cannot just buy a way onto the Olympia stage. Like it's merit only. It's experience and time only. Um, but yeah, so I think the so question assumptions and um, the probably like the Anton advice of creating your own infrastructure, like creating your own, create your own game to play in because then like you get to decide what's important. And I think if you, if you go down a channel where you pick a like you pick the game you want to play because it's the thing that you're already obsessed with and the thing you already think about a lot and what you would be spending your time thinking about anyway, chances are you'll be pretty competitive in that thing, and chances are you won't mind working late, you won't mind like giving up a weekend to do it because it's what you'd be doing anyway. So if you can earn a living doing that um, and create like residual value and help other people and like leave the leave the world a better place as a result of pursuing that thing then it's just the it feels to me anyway like the least the lowest friction way the most enjoyable way of like living your life um if you don't know what that thing is it's probably what you think about in the shower (laughs) brisola (laughs) (laughs) being a a beef curer (laughs) running a beef business i've decided i'm gonna become a beef curer i'm gonna be a beefer there's probably a lot of money in that to be fair that said though i bet you'd i bet you'd produce a really high quality beef business well like genuinely so there's a there's a company that does um boutique beef in newcastle called block and bottle and they're doing really well 
see <laughs> like so and i think it's just a couple of people that were very passionate about good beef and lo and behold yeah. what, are they, what are they end up producing and they're all you it's know hard to compete with people who were really passionate about something well the bottle part is like i think craft beers so it's clearly it's a bunch of guys with with beards and those little hats that have the like the ridge um great website meet beer life there we go so if if you're listening have a look at block and bottle these are it, that's an example of taking your passion and <laughs> turning it into a, a great business it does look great <laughs> wow wow what an example i love that you know it exists as well quite so near got, you right yeah i got a um ribeye steak from there and it i mean obviously it was the best steak i've had mm. it's expensive but have you had gaucho steak before no oh. so like <laughs> they don't they don't give you a steak knife they just give you a normal knife that's which is that's cocky flex. isn't it yeah, yeah. so <laughs> like you, <laughs> you order like a rump steak and you've got expectations of what it's going to be after they come and present you with the wooden board that tell you the story about each of the cuts of beef. Um, and yeah, it's just a normal knife and it is, oh, that's I mean, cool. it's really expensive, but it, it is brilliant. I, it's all Argentinian, uh, beef. Brilliant. What about beef in this, in these podcasts? Hello, my name is Beck. I am based in Melbourne in Australia. Uh, I run and own BK Health and Fitness and I have been working with uh, the guys at Propane Fitness, Johnny and Yousef, for almost three months now. So now, since starting to work with Johnny and Yousef, I run a free 14-day challenge to get people into my business and get paying clients. So the first one that I ran of this, I did as completely organic promotion. So I basically just posted on Instagram and on my stories and things like that. Um, and I converted from that free challenge, I converted 26% of those leads into clients. And now I am running paid traffic to the 14 day challenge funnel. Um, and I'm getting leads at a much cheaper price than I ever thought I would be able to thanks to the ads course that is within propane business. So now not only do I have a funnel that I know I can put leads in the top and it's going to spit clients out the bottom, I'm also still profiting on that funnel even after the ad spend. So for the past few years, I have wanted to leave my full-time job and really do this online coaching thing full time. But with the systems and the way I was trying to get leads into my business, it just looked like it was never going to happen. But now after just being with Johnny and Yousef for three months, I'm probably only about two or three months away from actually being able to leave my full-time job. So I 110% recommend doing the propane business course you will absolutely make your investment back um, by implementing the things that are in the course and Johnny and Yousef aren't two people that are sitting there going yeah you can do 20k months within your first month and you can live in a mansion and you can build a six-figure fitness business they're actually teaching you something that is tried and tested and that they have done before and really I guess giving you all of their knowledge um, of how you can run your business and they will also help you along the way with anything that you're struggling with but along with this I find a lot of these sort of courses that I have seen online before just teach you the selling part and just teach you getting people into your business. And a lot of the time that is one-on-one sales calls, which you can obviously only do so many of in a week. But Johnny and Yousef actually teach you how to build those systems and how to coach people correctly once they are in your business to make sure that you're not trading time for money. So a huge thank you to Johnny and Yousef for everything that I have learned through doing this course so far. And I can't wait to see what else I'm going to achieve um, as I continue with propane. 
What are bad recommendations you hear in your professional area of expertise? It's a podcast in itself, that isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we've, I think we've covered this a few episodes back as well. The main thing is trying to sell high-ticket fitness coaching to solve a problem that is not a five thousand pound problem, but actually a two hundred pound problem. Um, using WhatsApp to coach your clients with worrying about your logo and your website and all that stuff before you've decided who it is that you're going to help and how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, do like economics 101 module and learn about supply and demand and how price is determined in the market. And you'll realize why high ticket fitness coaching won't last. Like market pressures will mean that it can't last. So the people selling it are by definition selling a short term fix. Wow. Cause like supply, I think everyone agrees that the supply is increasing. Like more trainers are trying online coaching. So that forces price down. Demand is increasing, which, you know, they, they tend to increase it at a, at a rate that's like, there's more trainers doing it at the moment anyway, than there are people. And because we're not hampered by like a resource, like inventory or, supply chain it's just time and information so it's becoming more and more abundant and people can access like really cheap versions of it so yeah i think it's 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 kind of trying to rig the market a little bit by selling as you say like if someone's got a if i just like kind of want to get in a better shape that's not a five grand thing like five grand things like a really like a holiday of a lifetime or like a, a really complex problem that needs a lot of like careful. Yeah. Yeah. But what, so what would you, what health outcome, fitness outcome would you pay five grand for? Oh. Think of one. I think if I had the space, a sauna. <clears throat> yes, that's a physical, that's a physical something thing to be. Yeah. Yeah. Or like if there was some kind of, um, procedure or intervention that i mean i can't that i can't think of one because i think like i don't think there's a surgical procedure you could have that is five grand that would improve your <laughs> your life or your health um would you pay five grand for one-to-one coaching from gary weber so, gary weber for people listening is a a pretty well-known pretty well-respected guy in the meditation world I think at this stage I've, and this is because I, because I, as a, as an individual have spent so much of my ratio of time and energy on acquiring information. I've got a big bank of stuff that I know what I need to do. And for me, the challenge is actually just doing it. Um, if I was earlier in my journey and hadn't, hadn't kind of read or spent, (laughs) spent so much time reading all the stuff, then yeah, it would have helped accelerate that and save a lot of time. But for me now, and I think for a lot of people, because we we have abundance of information, it's about implementing it. So that's not to say that, you know, if, if you hire a coach and all they did was get you to actually follow the program, brilliant. You know, that's still money well spent. So I had a session on Monday night with my meditation coach. I didn't spend five grand. I think it was 50 quid. Um, 
because what a difference. <laughs> but yeah, because um, I've been like just I don't know, just hitting some resistance with it. Don't want to do it. It's, it's become a bit mundane. So I thought good time to get some some help and coaching. And all of the session was spent basically evaluating, like him drilling to me, like look, like this is this is decades of time that you're having to commit to this. So the the main things you need to focus on are like dropping the resistance and increasing the reward, even just transiently so that the buy-in is just there. And it's just something you do for the next 10 years of your life. Like worrying about the specifics of like what method you use and all those things are, are irrelevant. If you're not just meditating every day, it's really so like, sensible. Really, yeah, really I, sensible. I, I came away from the session being like, he basically just said to me, look, like this is difficult everybody struggles with it it's obviously very rare for people to meditate all the time because there's no real immediate reward from it all the time and you can have bad sessions and you it's the same with anything right to say like building the best business you could building the best physique you could getting really strong becoming enlightened there it's all like i'm going to put 30 years into this (laughs) and what i get at the end of it probably be pretty good if i just do that one thing very consistently um well it it was basically a lesson in like habit design and behavior management from him which is worth every penny frankly but exactly what you said like you don't need gary weber to tell you that you don't need a five thousand pound course to tell you that it's just meditating some people do if they're if they if they need like a a conceptual framework as well but i think then you Mm -hmm. also need the implementation and if the course includes that great well you need Um, you need to know what to do don't you to begin with so i think on the on the business side of things the difficulty is you you do a google search and realize there's 200 things you could do and each of those 200 things you could do for five years so i think the 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 difference with some so if you're doing a health outcome the body isn't like it's adaptive but the principles have existed for a long time and the same inputs will always produce the same outputs, whether it's 2010 or 2020. In <laughs> online great, business, the, the landscape... Yeah, it's brilliant. Like, <laughs> but the landscape in business is changing so much and there's so mm. many um, chaotic things and there's the element of competition and virality and um, new platforms and everything that uh, it's costly to do the wrong thing. And something that would have worked 10 years ago doesn't work now or, yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. Um, on that note, what have you become better at saying no to? Um, I think... Probably, probably just like invitations for stuff or opportunities for things. Business um, opportunities. Yeah, I think when like from your Nigerian uncle. <laughs> when you're the when you're the friend in a group of people who is like that the owns their own business, a lot of the time people think that you've just got a ton of time and you can just people can just throw business ideas at you and you've got all this capacity to do it with them. Um, and there's a real sense of FOMO with that stuff sometimes because every opportunity you think, well, if this did, like this could really be big. Um, and equally, like launching new products, launching new things, 
working with multiple niches. There's so many examples of it, like ways to, to direct your focus. Um, and it, it's back to that, what I would have on my billboard because of what you have said to me. Like if you just do the, even like platforms. So I'm talk, I talk, we talked about this a lot at the start of the year, like your Twitter and then more recently your YouTube efforts. Like you put a lot of time into just those things and you didn't put that time into TikTok. Or... But the thing is they're all profitable. Like it's not the, the, the great, well, the great and the bad thing, the double-edged sword of it is that really, yes, we rag on TikTok because we're old grumpy men, but like TikTok is still profitable. Like YouTube is profitable. Twitter is pro- like they, 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 you can make any of them work, but you can't make all of them work at the same time. And the key point is like, if you want to, if you want to sell, um, craft beer and beef, you can do it and you can be profitable with it. Or if you want to like be a, a high end gardener, if you want to do what, go into property and, you know, real estate or whatever, like all these things can work. But if you, if you're one of these people who just tries to do all of them at once and says yes to everything, then none of them are going to work. Um, well, because it's, it's literally just dividing your energy by channels, isn't it? It's like if you tried to do, over the last year, if you tried to do YouTube and Twitter and run a big Facebook group and like double down on Instagram and do TikTok and get into Clubhouse. And mm. you know, so all of them would, you could probably do a bit on all of them, but none of them would be as good as they could be if you just put all your focus into that thing, which is that it's the same thing we keep coming back to that like the the real like the real progress in something is lots of focus in one thing for a very very long period of time and luckily you if you're a coach and you work with a certain niche there's always the temptation to be like oh but i could i could launch a women's program as well and i, I could do this and what and it's like yeah you could you probably already know which of the niches that out of the ones that you could work with which would be most profitable and which one would be the the 80% effort for 20% of the return. And so, yes, you might feel like you're kind of missing out by not having a women's program or not having a, um, a body weight program or, or whatever. And yeah, you're missing out on a little bit, but if you spend that 80% of effort, just going in hard with your current niche. Or make the existing program twice as good. Yeah. Or like become the expert for the niche you've picked then there's a that's what most people don't do so you'll get the asymmetric response from doing the thing that most people don't do like looking at what is the normal and inverting the normal rather than just following what everyone else is doing which is like launching new things all the time so yeah um fight have you said one you, you didn't answer that question or was it kind of all part oh, and part yeah. of the same thing um, um when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do? For me, it's getting out of my head and into my body. I don't think you can solve a mental problem with the mind at the same level of thinking. Um, no, that's, that's a really lame thing to say, but, um, you know, cause I think it's a, one of those quotes that's been attributed to Einstein, but no one knows if Einstein actually said it. Um, which is if you're stuck in your head and there's loads of things going on, sometimes doing something to just get out of your head, like go for a walk with no agenda, 
go and change your temperature, go and like lie in a sauna bag for half an hour and get uncomfortably hot and then get uncomfortably cold in the shower. Um, go and train hard like something. And then because you've given your mind a chance to just like do its own processing, it's almost like the, you've got a plane that's spinning out of control. And if you just let go of the, the, the joystick, whatever you call it, <laughs> is that what it's called? Joystick. Yeah. Um, then rather than it spinning, it, it just create it, it resets itself and is fine. Its own path. And so I, I think actually that was discovered by a story. I think I might be repeating myself here, but there was a story of um, a certain issue with where if a plane nose dives and it starts spinning, it like corkscrews downwards towards the floor. And when that happens, it's very scary for the pilot and you, and the pilot's instinctive reaction is to start just going mental with the, with the joystick and trying to trying to correct it. And all that does is it speeds up the corkscrew and there was one case where the pilot was was knocked out from that happening and when he came to the plane had corrected itself and they realized it that actually they had to start training pilots to to just not do anything if that happens which i imagine is very hard to do yeah very difficult very difficult so just don't basically don't if you're sat there kind of like in a funk can't focus don't just try and focus your way through it yeah, exactly. Yeah, completely agree. I think that with, um, so I've, I've been spending a lot of time trying to think about when when is the best time of the day to do a certain thing. So like, I used to try and just square peg round hole stuff. So I used to just think, right, I need to meditate in the morning because I won't otherwise I won't get it done. Or I need I'm going to try training in the morning so I always get it finished. Whereas actually like. The, an hour of focus work for me at 8am is like I can't be matched by an hour of work at 4pm so I'm better off starting work as early as I can like as soon as I get up finishing earlier when my focus is, is lower and then just accepting that my focus is lower like I can't you can't just infinitely work so that then so I like for example now I meditate um pre-bed typically because I wouldn't be working then anyway, and it's quite a nice way to wind down. I train in the evenings rather than the mornings because I find my performance is higher. And so it's I think like a way a way that I try to prevent being unfocused for long periods of time is trying to match my like my natural rhythm of like when am I normally most focused? When does my focus dip? It's like for me, I can't imagine picking up something very high, like requiring a lot of concentration at four p.m. I just think I'll be unable to versus if like the version of me at 8am tried to do the same thing, I'd get totally different results. So I might as well just set my day up so that I don't never put myself in that situation. And then it's, it's easier. I think because you know that it's easier to sort of take your foot off the gas and go, I'm just done. I'm just going to go disconnect and do something else. That's not a one day decision as well. That that's something which if you compound the difference between your focus at 4pm and 8am, over a thousand days, that's going to start to have a really big difference in your total trajectory of how much yeah. you get done in those thousand days. Because I, I wish it was the case that all hours of the day were equal into, for each thing, but they just aren't. So, like, it is, it's like which hour is the be- is best matched or which time of day is best matched to the thing you're trying to do. Like, I imagine you're the same, but I think we've both tried training in the morning 
and I'm able to train in the morning, but it's very rare that the session is as good or like I perform as well as if I did the same session at 5 p.m., for example. Yeah. And the time that I've been most productive in my life has just been when I turn, I have Wi-Fi off until midday. Yeah. And then do all your high, high output work in the morning. That's it. And all all the silly little stories come back in and then I end up getting out of the habit of it. And then I'm like, hang on, how did I get here? And then, well, then you hear like Menno talk about it. Like that was a big reminder for me of like, you know, like all all the times when I accept like a meeting at 9am and it's a, it's an hour lost that I'll, I'll not recoup. Oh, with the auditory cortex. Yeah. Of like how he does all his calls in the afternoon and all his focus work in the morning because you can't, you can't be not focused on a call really. Yeah. (laughs) Very difficult to do that. I suppose a final thing to add to that, which is more dealing with overwhelm specifically is the David Allen brain dump. This is a process that Johnny sent me a while ago and it's, it's from his book. It's freely available online. You just search something like David Allen brain dump or GTD. Um, I think mind sweep equals mind, mind sweep. There we go. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a long questionnaire, maybe 30 questions or something, but you, by the time you finished it, you have squeezed the lemon and your mind will be empty because yeah. it's all the stuff that you need to get done. And the point is it's designed to be as full sweep as possible to get it all out of your brain and into a bit of paper and into your system so that you've now cleared your cache of your brain and you can start working yeah. on what you need to. I think the link to that, trying to have, um, so in the same way that you wouldn't like, I think people, I, I, I've certainly been guilty of this. You'll go through a, a phase where I like, try and be really productive and you'll try and get loads done in a day and then you're shattered and you do nothing the following day and that you're kind of on this constant up and down. Try and gear things up so that you have a planning phase or a planning state where you'll say, right, I'm going to do three things a day for the week and allow you, give yourself permission to just do those three things, knowing that like if over a week I do 15, that's better than doing six on Monday, nothing on Tuesday, two on Wednesday and, like, and kind of dripping my foot when if it's just tick, 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 it's easier to not fall down the traps of like a lack of focus because you're never really overexerting. I think you know, that's the advice beyond. that I need to hear at the minute. <laughs> it's, it, well, it's, it's hard to do though, isn't it? Yeah. Very difficult to do. That's it. And there we are. Tribe of mentors questions. Yeah. I question. haven't got any audio messages yet for questions for the podcast, unless they've been coming in on, on Instagram or something and we've just completely missed them. I don't think but... so. Maybe Alex has just been deleting them. <laughs> so like he sees them and goes, what's this? We don't receive audio messages. Delete. <laughs> if you would like, if you fancy yourself getting past the, the impenetrable barrier of Alex, then send us an email admin at propanefitness.com with any questions that you want us to address on the next podcast and we will get to it. Yes, we will. Bye. Bye. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run 
buildandscalepropanefitness.com. Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propinfitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.